0: The Strange Tales of Virgil Caelarch, The Curse of the Albion, Chapter 3.
1: Well, it was no accident, we can be sure of that.
0: We, the passengers, had gathered on deck for another post-mortem.
1: Well, I'm no sleuth, Captain, but I think it highly unlikely that a sailor gets lost on his own ship and falls into a trunk to die, after apparently nailing himself inside.
0: A murder, then?
2: My God! We are approaching Gibraltar. We must tell the police.
1: Whilst the ship is on water,
3: I am the police. We will not be inviting another authority on board. Is that clear? But what if
0: the other fellow was murdered too? I mean, are none of us safe?
1: Mr. Gamal is right. We have a murderer aboard. We must do something. It is my responsibility. It is my ship, and I will find
3: it out. Don't be alarmed. We will soon be docking at Gibraltar. Please take an opportunity to take some rest. We will be in port in a few hours' time. Excuse me. Well,
1: this is just awful. I will not sit quietly by and wait to be picked off by some madman.
0: This will not do at all. Lady Tregaskis, I'm afraid to say I must leave you at Gibraltar. I cannot continue on this journey, things being as they are. I will return to Cairo from there.
1: Oh, I see. But of course, Mr Gamal, I perfectly understand. But please do come on to London. It would be a shame to miss it. He is more yours than anybody's. No, no.
0: I am happy to leave it to you. Mr. Calog, I am leaving the cargo in your hands. I will say my farewells when we dock, but now I must pack my things if you will excuse
1: me. Yes, Mr. Gamal, of course. Well, I would call that a dereliction of one's duty, wouldn't you? We are certainly persevering against very difficult events, but we don't just walk away. We have a responsibility to endure, no?
0: On arriving in Gibraltar, Lady Tregaskis decided that she too would leave the expedition. The fun had gone out of the enterprise, and she announced that she would be happier and safer by making her way to London on a different ship. The captain refused shore leave to all the sailors and insisted on a rapid turnaround. True to his word, no police were alerted, and so we set sail again. Dorothy, to my surprise, remained on board.
4: I couldn't leave now. Why should I?
2: Well, because everything has taken a turn for the worst. It could be dangerous. It is dangerous. So why
4: didn't you leave?
2: I couldn't. I am an employee. I suppose this is exactly what I am employed to do. Keep the stuff safe and make sure it all arrives in one piece.
4: And do you suppose that I am not an employee? Do you imagine I am a wealthy adventurer like Lady Tregaskis? I am here to write the story of this journey. It's proven to be quite a story too.
2: Not the story Lady Tregaskis wanted, I'm sure.
4: Actually, I think she was thrilled by the first death. Glazer. She knew it would be attributed to the curse, plenty of copy, plenty of sensational copy. But then with Cobb, she was just scared.
2: And are you scared?
4: Yes. Yes, I think I am. And who wouldn't be? It's a natural reaction. We're scared for good reason. I would like to survive this journey.
2: Listen, we should join forces. I mean, if you trust me. We should stick together. Watch each other's backs. Safety in numbers and that sort of thing.
4: The number being two, I suppose.
2: Well, there's the captain, but he's got a near-mutiny on his hands. The sailors don't trust us, and then there's Penhallow.
4: Thank you, Virgil. Two's fine. I wouldn't want Penhallow watching my back.
2: You distrust him?
4: Yes. Yes, absolutely. Come on, we all do. I wish he had left at Gibraltar. Don't you?
2: Yes, I suppose so.
4: I would rather he came nowhere near me. While you're gallantly watching my back, do you think you could find the time to watch him too?
0: As we passed through the straits of Gibraltar and out into the open ocean, the seas, which had felt settled and calm, became wilder and the wind more fierce. The melancholy that had beset the ship through the Mediterranean became fear and dread in the Atlantic. The sailors looked at me, at all of us interlopers on their ship, with suspicion and mistrust. We had brought the curse upon them. We had brought death. We in turn looked at them and at one another too. Each of us, wary and nervous, kept our own counsel.
3: The weather is turning on us, McNeish. Prepare the ship, strike the royals. The storm is nearly upon us. Captain!
0: The storm was indeed soon upon us, as if, by passing through the straits of Gibraltar, we were sailing into chaos. The sea began to swell and boil, and the wind dragged at the sails, even as the sailors toiled to pull them in. We were soon blown from sight of the coast, and being the only humanity in that hideous maelstrom, we had the full attention of the elements. whilst the sailors ran frantically above us, Dorothy and I cowered out of harm's way in the galley below the quarterdeck.
2: You know this happens frequently at sea. Nothing to be alarmed about. They know what they're doing, all right. They might not like us, but they know how to handle a ship. (laughs) Thank God. Are
4: you trying to reassure me or yourself?
2: Well, principally you, of course, and myself as a happy coincidence. Oh, my God, it's rough.
4: I am so ill.
2: It will all be over soon, I'm certain.
4: What? really ominous thing to say.
2: No, sorry, I I meant it in a good way.
4: What's that? That that banging sound? The ship's falling apart?
2: The ship was designed specifically for harsh events just like this. Really, don't worry. It's quite safe. Mind if I join you? Mr. Penhallow? No,
4: No, not at all. The floor is the best place, really. I tried sitting on the bench, but I felt worse.
2: How are you
5: faring? Well, thank you. Really? Good for you. I feel really rather dreadful. Don't you feel sick?
4: Don't say that word.
5: I will sit here if I may. Well, you certainly seem calm. No point in panicking. I think we've waited long enough, don't you?
4: Waited? For what?
5: For what? Quite so. For whom? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean by that? Well, I'm certainly tired of waiting. He will come when he will come. The storm is the least of our worries. Bring it on, I say. You don't
4: frighten me. I'm not scared of you, Penhallow. Oh, no, I should hope not.
5: I'm nothing to be frightened of. Why would you be frightened of me?
4: You can't hold us responsible for any of it. If you were so concerned about your precious mummy, why in God's name did you dig him up?
5: None of us are responsible for anything. I quite agree. You're not responsible. I'm not responsible. Nor was Glazer or Cobb. It doesn't matter, though, does it? What are you talking about? We are all innocents. We are lambs. We are flies. We are servants. When the master strikes out, he doesn't care who's responsible. It's quite simple. He is angry. The servants must pay. Absurd. You
4: are sick, <laughs> Stop,
5: stop it. it! Stop it! Shut up!
4: Please! Stop it! Stop it! Stop it!
5: Dorothy! He has come! He walks amongst us! Get me out
2: of
5: here!
4: I can't stand this! Dorothy!
2: Dorothy! Damn you, Penhallow!
0: I followed Dorothy out of the door and up onto the deck, the wind and foam whipping my face. Dorothy! I grabbed at the gunwale, blinded by the spray. The sailors, cowed by the blasts, wrestled with the ropes and sails, McNeish barking orders to those that could hear him above the roar.
6: Reef the mainsail!
2: Get below, Mr. Keeler. Dorothy, she's out here somewhere! Mr. Keeler! get below!
0: I stumbled out onto the deck, grabbing at anything that would keep me upright and then i saw her near to the bow holding fast to the rail and looking down into the thrashing waves what
2: are you doing dorothy get back below for god's sake look there
4: the hull of the ship there's a man there's a man look
0: something someone was stuck to the hull 20 feet down from where we stood the figure looked as if he were hugging the ship as if he was holding on for dear life, his body disappearing into the spume and then rising up again out from the angry sea. His lolling head fell back with the surge and his mouth hung open as if he were calling to us, but his eyes were cold and dead. The storm subsided. The seas became calm once more and the body of the captain was brought on board. He had been nailed, crucified onto the hull, his body affixed by long nails driven into the very fabric of the ship. The brutality of his murder was unfathomable, but the circumstance of his death tipped conjecture into madness. It was murder beyond question, but by what demonic agency? The old king in his painted coffin lay just feet below the deck, but few of us could now believe that he was truly dead. In the absence of the authority of Captain Hendrick, the crew lost their restraint, and in a frenzy of anger and fear, went about to throw the sarcophagus and all vestiges of the cargo overboard. Several crates of priceless artifacts had already been sent plunging over the side before I found myself standing between the men and the sea, brandishing a pistol.
2: Be rid of it. It's even! Pure even! Over the side! Stop! Now! Put it down! There will be no more of this! I am responsible for this shipment, I will not have it destroyed! Put the crate down, or, or I will shoot! If anyone touches any of the goods, I swear I will fire!
0: The sailors paused. All commotion stopped. I had their attention, though it was clear I did not have their respect. The surprise in their faces turned to malice. They edged further towards me, testing my resolve. They surely knew that there was none. My hands shook. I made to raise my arm to shoot, but to my dismay, I lowered the gun instead. My weakness was clear to everyone. A weakness that would surely send me bludgeoned and bloody into the arms of the sea.
6: Listen very carefully. The cargo will be placed back in the hold. We will sail to Lisbon, we will offload it there. In two days' time, we will be rid of it. Until then, we carry on. You hear? We carry on. Go against me and you will be shot. Any more talk of jettison, our freight will be punished. Am I clear? Am I clear? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now go about your work. We will get this done. We will not forego our duty and destroy our livelihoods too. To work! One move! You can give me that pistol now, sir. Yes, quite. Bloody useless at this sort of thing.
4: God, are you all right?
6: Yes, I'm so sorry. I tried. You are
4: very brave. Thank you, Mr. McNeish.
6: It will be best if you keep to your quarters until we reach Lisbon, both of you.
4: Listen, it's Penhallow. I'm certain of it. The things he was saying... It's just
6: not possible, miss. Not Penhallow, not anyone. Look,
4: there will be an explanation. It's Penhallow. He did this. I don't know how, but he is responsible.
6: No one has seen him do anything, Dorothy. He's strange, certainly, but no, I don't I don't think... like Penhallow. He has no respect for anyone, but he's not done this. Then who? In Valletta, I found a church... And I prayed. For the first time in thirty years, I prayed. For thirty years, I haven't believed in angels, or spirits, or God. But I've seen evil on this ship. It's real. It's alive. Then why didn't you let your men destroy it? Evil is chaos. It turns men into beasts. Order keeps it at bay. Duty and discipline is the only path. Evil follows weakness. It lives in the weaker man and it preys on the weak and helpless.
2: By that, I suppose you mean me?
6: No, Penhallow will be put under lock and key, keep him out of arms way. The crew needs someone to blame, he'll do.
0: Several members of the crew roughly bundled Penhallow to the hold with the cargo. He went calmly, almost serenely. He didn't struggle or protest his innocence. He seemed more bewildered than angry or upset like a man coming to terms with a sentence of death. He sat meekly in the storeroom on a wooden chair, surrounded by the treasures he had so carefully packed a few weeks before. And he stared, stared intently at one crate in particular, the crate that held the body of the dead king. And then we locked him in. My intention had been to keep an eye on Penhallow, and visit him frequently with food and water. On my first visit that evening, however, I found the door would not open. I turned the key, but it had been barricaded from the inside.
2: Penhallow, Penhallow, you're right.
0: I have food and
2: water, Penhallow. Good evening, Mister Caleb. Look here, I, I can't open the door.
5: Everything seems calm enough now, doesn't it? All quiet here.
2: You're all right. You're not hurt. But the
5: storm was just the beginning. He'll be back very soon, I suppose. Mind if I smoke?
2: hello? Yes? Are you all right?
5: Do You know, I think I am. I think I am exactly where I'm supposed to be. Sitting here quietly, quite content, waiting. You made a big mistake, you know. A mistake? What mistake? You should have let them get on with it. Send them to the bottom of the sea. It really would have been the sensible thing to do. A last chance to escape.
2: I couldn't let them destroy it. No.
5: No, you couldn't. No more could I. It's a pity. Should have let them do it. Imagine the relief. Drown it all. Every jar, every wheel, every box,
2: every bone. That's not what you want.
5: No matter what I want, really. Or you.
2: And what does he want? Revenge?
5: Revenge, no, he wants he wants to rest, as we all do. He wants to sleep away the days and nights of turmoil, of pain and doubt, of vicious rivals and ungrateful children, of corrupt counselors and massacred armies, the rise and fall of civilizations and the never ending destructive vanity of mankind. He just
2: wants to sleep. I should say he wants to murder each of us, one by one. No,
5: no, no. That's not what he wants at all. He's dead. You do know that, don't you? His days of cruelty are past.
2: You're wrong. He's here. He is killing us. He's on this ship. You really suppose the dead
5: can walk? Mr. Kalock? you are credulous. He's been in his tomb for over 3,000 years. There is nothing left but dust, dust and sand, no threat at all.
2: Who then? You? It's not possible.
5: Of course not me. Then who? You know who. He's been with us from the beginning and never been closer than at this moment. Journey's end. He will be here very soon.
2: Osiris. Oh,
5: the vanity. You think you've summoned the Lord God of Death himself, the destroyer of all things. You really are impressed with yourself. Not Osiris, only his dog-headed servant. Surely that should be enough for you. Anubis. To disturb my body is to disturb the gods. We have disturbed the gods. We have made ourselves visible and they have set the dog on us. And there is. Nowhere to run
0: While Penhallow spoke, I became aware of a thin plume of smoke curling from the bottom of the locked door
2: Penhallow, my
0: god, what have you done?
2: Fire or
5: water, it really makes no odds. Either will be welcome. You see, I'd rather get going. I intend to be gone before he comes for me. I'm a coward, just like you. I'd really rather not be around to meet him in person. He's coming, Kaylock. Very soon
2: he'll be here for me, for you, for all of us! You're insane! I'll get help, hold on! Help!
6: Fire! Fire!
0: In the few short moments it took me to raise the alarm, the fire had taken hold of the storeroom and had spread to others along the galley. The sailors beat at the flames with sailcloth and bucket after bucket of seawater, but it had taken hold, and soon the entire lower deck became a nightmare of dark, choking smoke and raging flame.
4: Water! Get water! <laughs> water it! too late. There's nothing you can do.
2: Dorothy! Get out of here! Don't get to the lightboat now! This ship is finished!
0: The fire had already reached the deck. The heat was unbearable, and I could barely see through the thick smoke.
6: Leave your station! Abandon ship!
0: We watched from the lifeboats as the fire took hold, climbing the mast to the rigging and sending the burning sails crashing onto the deck, the flames reflecting on the water. The ship was a flaming torch on an ocean of darkness, the black smoke rising to join with the ebony night sky. The boat, listed, and it would not be long before the smoking wreck disappeared beneath the waves.
4: Virgil, it's gone. It's all gone. I'm so sorry. Thank God we're free of it.
2: Look. Look there. On the deck. He's there. He's alive.
0: Penhallow stood on the deck, his hands on the gunwale, looking out to sea. At us. I couldn't see the expression on his face. He was almost completely obscured by flames and smoke, but his posture appeared quite calm. His clothes seemed torn and ragged, and lines of cloth trailed from his body down the side of the ship. They smoked and coiled as they burned, but they were not his own clothes. They were an adornment. He was wearing the wrappings from the body of the old king. Was he smiling? Yes. He was smiling and nodding at us whilst the flames grabbed at him and standing behind him. A figure. A dark figure that seemed to have grown out of the billowing smoke. A giant. Its hands rested on his shoulders and it too looked out across the sea at us. It had the body of a man and the head of a dog.
3: Chapter 3 of The Curse of the Albion, written by John Ram. Virgil Kaylock was played by Nicholas Bolton, Young Kaylock, Daniel Fraser, Lady Tregaskis, Abigail Thorne, Robert McNeish, David Fielder, Dorothy Bell, Ellie Turner, James Penhallow, Matthew Pidgeon, and Tarek Gamal, Montgomery Wigglesworth. The music was composed by Neil Brown. The Strange Tales of Virgil Kaylock are supported by the Arts Council Lottery Fund and produced by Richard Varman, Martin Malone and John Ram. It is a Kaylock production.